Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate, you know what's outside the window right now? Trees. Fall. Oh. Not really. Kind of. It feels like it. It's raining. In this part of the country, at this particular time, it is rainy and cold. Yes. I am very grateful I don't live in L.A. anymore. I am very grateful you don't live in L.A. anymore either. (laughs) I'm even grateful that I don't live in Portland, Oregon anymore, and that's a saying something, because I love me my Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Their skies are all kooky out there right now. Yeah, we have some some listeners who live out there, and I really hope that they're safe and okay. Please be safe, and please be well. And if we could ship up our rain and send it to you, we would do it in an instant. But what we are doing is recording a podcast. And what is the name of this podcast? Fuse 8 and Kate. And what is this podcast about? Fuse 8 and Kate. What is Fuse 8 and Kate actually supposed to do? Oh, talk about kids' books. Yay! Which kids' books? The big ones. Picture books. That's what they're called. They're not the big ones. Well, I guess they are. I mean, they're like, what? They're like, yay big. I mean, some of them. I want to say eight by 11. Oh, I was thinking big is like the most well-known. Oh, whoa. Oh, I thought you meant like physically large squares. That too. I mean, they have to fit on the shelf after all. Now for today's book, you had, you had sent me a link uh, earlier this week. I don't know if you recall, but you, you sent me a little link to an online book list from the Black Education Matters. Uh, and it featured nine children's books featuring black characters with disabilities. Yeah. And you asked um, if any of them would be considered well, you a classic. Said, you said um, 20 years old, but I think the rule on this show is it's, 10 No, years it's old. 20. Is it 20? Yes. You made up this rule. Anything, if it's older, if, if it hits 20, the year 2000 ah. or before. Well, I forgot my rule for purposes of today. <laughs> um, and that is because... Uh, this, so this list, as I say, it was children's books featuring black characters with disabilities. And the fact of the matter is that before 10 years ago, they they didn't, maybe someone could come up with one. So I decided to pick a book that had come out 10 years ago. Um, having forgotten my own rule, it's, it's, it's interesting looking at these books about disabilities and differently abled kids in different ways, because even a 10-year-old book could potentially be out of date because the information is constantly changing. So with that in mind, I'm going to pull out the book. My Brother Charlie. By Holly Robinson Pete and Ryan Elizabeth Pete. And? Pictures by Shane W. Evans. That's right. My Brother Charlie. Um, certainly not the first book about a kid on the autism spectrum that we've ever seen, but the first one about a black kid on the autism spectrum that I had ever seen, I can say with complete confidence. Hmm. So here you go. Why don't you read that book? Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about Shane W. Evans. Shane W. Evans. Shane W. Evans. What is there to say about Shane W. Evans? Well, you could say that he was the winner of the Boston Globe Hornbook Award for Osceola. Uh, You could say that he won the Orbis Pictus Award for Outstanding Nonfiction for Children. 
You could say that he had won uh, the John Steptoe New Talent Award for the way a door closes. You could even say that he has been friends since childhood with actor Tay Diggs. Yeah, you didn't see that one coming, did you? It's absolutely true, though. He's even illustrated some of Tay's picture books. Now, I'm always particularly fascinated with people who have some sort of childhood tie to famous people. So you've got your, your you know, your Shane and Tay. Um, or you've got your Josh Funk and uh, BJ Novak. These, these ties are absolutely fascinating. Now, Tay isn't the only famous person that Shane has worked with, of course. Uh, he's done books with Shaq, with Bell Hooks, Quincy Troop, Gene Marzola, and Angela Johnson. Not too shabby. Uh, this year, he illustrated Big Papa and the Time Machine by Daniel Bernstrom. And next year, uh, you can look for a new Tay Diggs collaboration on the picture book My Friend, as well as a nonfiction book called Hold the Flag High. That will be a nonfiction book by Catherine Clinton. Hello. 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 I read a book. You read a book? Yes. A 10-year-old book. About what looks like 10-year-olds. Mm, I think they look much younger. Much, really? much younger. I don't know. I think they're five. What? I think they're five-year-olds. No. Yep. Well, anyway. Anyway. Uh, just to preface this, uh, I know absolutely nothing about autism, and I am not going to pretend like I am an expert on the subject, because I ain't. I so... also don't know anything about <laughs> autism or anyone. No, I know. I guess I know people on the autism spectrum, but I cannot profess to be any kind of an expert in any way, shape, or form. Right. Right. Good. Neither of us... We know, know nothing. Yes. No, okay. No. So then that's how we're approaching this book. Right. I should say. Yeah. So uh, we are learning this story through the eyes of Charlie's sister. Right. His twin sister. Who is also the author of this book. Right. Well, right. the author is... Co-author. Yeah. It's like right. mom and... Mom and Daughter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So... Right. So we meet uh, the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, Charlie doesn't have eyelashes. Like, this entire- What, she does and he doesn't? Yeah. That's because she's a girl. But- You have to show she's a girl. Except her hair is so clearly girl-like. And, and she clearly says that she's a girl. I, I just thought those- I, I, that's a problem I have these- with every single picture book that's like, girls have uh, eyelashes and bows in their hair. Boys do not, but boys have eyelashes. Yeah, and I really like the way that they illustrated these eyes, and I wish that they had... I mean, they put eyelashes on the dog. Come on. Yeah, I see some eyelashes on the dog from here. Come on. Come on. So when do you say Charlie and I versus Charlie and me? Because it does... Oh. Yeah. Well, it would... It, Charlie... So I did this. Charlie and I did this. Um... You wouldn't say me did this, so it would be Charlie and I, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting that... I mean, if unless you're trying to sound more kid-like. Or me and Charlie. Why don't you say... You're not supposed to say me and Charlie. That's rude. You're supposed to say the other person and then yourself. Really? Yes. That's what I was taught. I feel like there are certain times, though, where you can say me and whatever. Me and Bobby McGee? Yeah. Yeah. No? You can say it when you're singing me and Bobby McGee. I mean, you're the English major. You should know this stuff. I can think of no... Situation in which you are allowed to do such a thing? Really? No. Well, I mean, you can if you do it on to sound colloquial. Yeah. Well, she says uh, we've always been together, Charlie and me. Yeah, I think that's offhanded. 
okay. less formal, perhaps. Maybe that's that's the feeling. I, I do. I do. But they have this dog named Harriet, who I want to see go up against Clifford. I, Seriously, I want there to be a Harriet versus Clifford dog off. No, this dog is massive. It's monstrous. what kind of breed would you think this dog is? I mean, you're looking at how big it is compared to the kids. I don't. I have no idea. I mean, you would think... I'm thinking a little husky. I'm thinking a little... I thought it was like a chocolate lab, but now I'm like... Maybe some Labrador in there. I don't know. This thing is monstrous. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a monster duck. Mm-hmm. The, the, the sister says, you know, we have lots of things in common, like our dog, music, football. And then she starts talking about the differences between them. Like, um, I can stare at hours. I can stare for hours at the Big Dipper in the moon, and I love to talk. He hates math and he doesn't talk a lot. Um, and when it, there's a picture of him standing on a pile of books because he's trying to get his uh, plane out of the tree, and he's standing on the big yellow book. I mean, if anything dates this book, I think it's that. Oh, it's supposed to be a phone book. Yeah, you remember big yellow books? Oh God, I completely forgot. I literally was just sitting here going like, what, like big yellow taxi? Like, no. What's a big yellow it's book? It's a phone book. Oh, I, I don't think those. yeah I don't think kids are gonna know what the heck that is well it nowadays. doesn't say say phone book it says big yellow book it's a book it's big it's yellow there that's all they need to know <laughs> that's not an inaccurate title true I just that right there I think yeah that is dated, that is though. a dated thing wow yeah so then we learn that um so the sister can say things like I love you whereas in Charlie um, those words seem to be locked deep inside her brother. And he, at first, you know, his mother was told by everyone, oh, he's just being a boy. But she knew that there was something different about him. And so she would take him to a bunch of different doctors. Um, apparently, one doctor told her that her son would never say, I love you. And I'm like, what doctor I know, would seriously, say that? Like, yeah. Especially on, like, the first time you ever meet the child. It's a little extreme. I mean... It- I would understand if, if the doctor phrased it a different way, like, it is possible that he will never say, I love you. But she just says cold, like, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, Sorry. He even said it. But I do like, okay, one, that she went to multiple doctors. Yeah, that's cool. And two, that the doctor that's illustrated in this book is not an old white man. Yeah, Because you always see doctors as yes. old white men. Yes, that is an excellent point. And this is a woman of color. Mm-hmm. So... Thank you. Extra points. For not being an old white man. To Shane W. Evans for <laughs> looking, that one. Looking, well done. Not looking like, you know, freaking yeah. Santa Claus. <laughs> exactly. And eyelashes. There isn't so much like a plot to this book. It's just the sister explaining what it's like to have a brother that's autistic. And Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. There's not, I mean, there's a little bit of a plot just in terms of like finding out his diagnosis. But yeah, there's no, his situation is the story. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a choice. Yeah. That's a choice. She does explain that there are times when things aren't perfect. Like sometimes he can ruin play dates because he's doing things that might be dangerous. Well, I'm, and just go back to that picture. So I was with, rather baffled with by him this hanging image. on the uh Are the playground. kids below worried about him and looking like they're going yes. to catch him? Or are the kids going like, yeah and I they think, want to get up too because I, I literally couldn't tell i think they're worried because in the text it says when charlie wants something nothing stops him even when it's dangerous 
So these two kids are going to try to catch him, and she's sort of like, let him fall. I mean, look, she's just sitting by herself well, and not any, she's just and, mad. And well, yeah, because then the next line is, and there are days when it's hard to be Charlie's sister. Right, yeah. Which, which you is, know, you can't always you know, be his protector. This is true. And, I, and I'm and i glad that she's explaining how not everything is great and how frustrated she feels at times, but I wish that this book kind of was split in half. Like, I mm-hmm. wish every page was split in half where you see her perspective and then you get his like subconscious or something or i would just yeah i mean because i'm curious to know like he yeah. can talk it i think right. getting his perspective in some way would be yes i agree it would be a great idea and maybe that would help people who don't know autism very well like okay what would someone in this situation we're seeing it from this perspective how would he understand it from his perspective like I really love the jungle gym and I really love being up high and this is my favorite place. And so, you know, like it would be interesting to see the flip, you know? Yeah, I've seen picture books that have vaguely done that. Mostly I see that in middle grade where it's from the point of view of the person, Um, but less in picture books. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the page where he's trying to work on this puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this puzzle. (laughs) It is crazy difficult yeah i know right so it seems to be some form of modern art or yeah like okay the pieces are all like stuff climped maybe you've got like itty bitty bits of color just on the edge and for someone who loves puzzles i'm looking at this like okay you expect you said they're five you expect a (laughs) five-year-old yeah like i i I don't know also also, she's hoarding one of the puzzle pieces nobody could (laughs) she's got one in her hand but i mean he doesn't have any of them together because he's just looking at well who would i i mean i'm looking at this i can't even figure out what shape it's supposed to be but i like that even though there isn't a plot it focuses on what he can do well and what he likes because that's how we're learning his personality like he's really good at knowing all the american presidents and he is really good at swimming and he's really good at training the dog Harriet to do things, and that's his way of communicating with others. Which, right, right. or you know, it says here Charlie's got a mind that tests things like shoelaces and paper clips and apples, which was a really interesting way of phrasing. I it. thought that was a very smart turn of phrase. Yeah, like you don't you know play with shoelaces or paper clips. He's testing them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that he likes to show off his shell collection and his sneakers so he is you know he's he, he, he's a regular little boy who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. Likes... he's got a lot you know a lot and of kids that age that have little obsessions yeah. right and and he's not letting something like autism stop him from having hobbies mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know playing the piano or whatever the case may be so then we get to the end where um First of all, can we just talk about these dogs' eyes? Because <laughs> they are like the cute. I mean, first They're of like all, huge. giant dog. Second of all, giant dog eyes. Yeah, you could fall into those eyes. <laughs> you could be lost in the pool of those eyes. I would choose Harriet over Clifford any oh, day heck of the yes. week. So first cute. of all, Clifford doesn't have that pretty in eyes. And man, if Clifford had beautiful eyes. Well, do you eyes... want big red eyes or big brown eyes? No, we're going to. Oh my gosh, the devil dog. Oh. Like Ghostbusters got nothing on that guy. So, right. So we get to the end of the story where she's explaining how she banged her toe on, it looks like a rock. Um, and he immediately went over to her and patted her on the back and said, don't cry, Callie. I love you. So he does say it and he mm. is able to say it. And so she is, throughout this whole book, she's been explaining that he can show 
how he loves people rather mm-hmm. than saying it. But then at the very end, he says it. And, and then, then she gives him this hug where he clearly is not into this hug. Well, he's, you know, it's a little he's, awkward. He's like, oh, he's also Lord. getting like showered on the side of his yes. face by the dog. At first I was like, oh, is he crying? And I'm like, oh no, nope, that's, that's dog slobber. spit. Okay. But then you get to the very last page and it is the parents and the entire family walking along the beach and the parents are smiling. Oh, very nice. So are so they smiling it. because they finally heard their son say, I love you, in which they had been told he would never be mm-hmm. able to say it. Or are they just smiling because we're finally seeing them happy? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Oh, that. I shouldn't say that was the very last page because the very, very last page right. is when... Oh, that's what the puzzle was. He finishes the crazy difficult puzzle. Jeez. Well, and she gives her. him the piece that she was hoarding. Ah. Good. So... Because that was probably driving him insane to not I, have that piece. I mean, it would drive me insane. It would drive me insane. I love that he finished the puzzle. I love even more that he, ha- he has footed pajamas. <laughs> yes. Oh, they're very nice footed pajamas, too. And that's it. So that the interesting thing is, in this book, I, I actually did more research on this one. Because as, I, as you said, you know, autism is not something that I have a personal experience with, nor have I researched in any way. And what I found was the American Educational Research Association uh, has a publication which they just call AERA. And in the April-June 2017 edition, they had this article called Understanding the Puzzle Behind the Pictures, a Content Analysis of Children's Picture Books about Autism. And generally speaking, they had very positive things to say about this book. But there was one point that they made that I kind of want to bring up. And it said... Teachers should carefully select books about autism, examining texts for covert ideologies that may promote misconceptions of taught in isolation. For example, several of the books involved that we previously referred to as a turning point in which characters who accept and care for the child with autism then receive validation for their actions, which is usually depicted by the child with autism engaging socially producing words or phrases or exhibiting love and affection in my brother, Charlie, Charlie is a nonverbal child with autism. I'm not sure he is nonverbal, actually. But who shows his love for his sister by touching or smiling. But the story takes an unexpected turn when Charlie says, I love you, when his sister is in distress. These typical, quote-unquote, behaviors may mislead students into thinking that the child with autism will give them validation or will acknowledge their acceptance. The main point is for students to embrace students with autism and to learn how to accept and respect them as individuals without expecting anything in return. As such, teachers can emphasize, you can learn a lot from a kid who has ASD. All you have to do is be their friend. And I think that is a valid criticism that the book does sort of make it feel like if she gives him all this love and affection, eventually he will say the words that his mother said he would never say. And that you can't count on that with with a kid on the autism spectrum. I mean, some of them will say, I love you, and some of them won't. And you can't, and I mean, their point is just that you can't teach this book in isolation. It would be a good idea to teach it with other books about, you know, different kinds of autism because one book can't stand in for all forms of autism. Well, right. That's why it's called a spectrum. Right. I mean, because there's a wide variety, some more severe than others. Right. Um, And I should mention, if if people want to find videos of the authors, Holly and Ryan, Talking about this book back in 2010, I will put them in the show notes of this episode. They do exist. Okay. Ratings time. I think it's a sweet story that shows just how much she loves her brother and how having autism doesn't stop you from living a full life. Mm -hmm. I do wish we could see from his perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's coming from people in this situation 
which limits them to a certain extent because I don't think they feel that they could be in a position to speak for him. And right. so the daughter is doing from the first person perspective and she, I, I guess she, but because they're not professional authors, as far as I can tell, they're, they're well, people who wrote a book, but they don't write children's books for a living or anything. Right. But I did read, so in the, why we wrote a book in the back, mm. it does say that her brother said, if I could tell people one thing about autism, it would be that I don't want it to be this way, which is interesting that he doesn't want to have autism so he's clearly verbal right and that's so, a complicated and concept so, in and of itself right so that would be wouldn't it be interesting to hear his perspective yeah i mean why and i did wonder that why was it because i mistook when i read who the author was at first because her name is ryan so right. i was like oh this must be her, he must be the co-author right. but ryan is the and daughter in fact, usually in these cases where a kid writes with their parent it usually is the kid who's the focus writing with their parent but in this case it was his sister right which i can see why they went in that direction she was 12 i think when this book was written um but it's unusual right but if he clearly said i wish that i wasn't this way right i think it would have been really important to hear his if we had had both perspectives in yeah. one book that would have been great actually i, that, I think that would have yeah. been interesting because as it, it is because they're twins because yeah. it it's so explanatory well it's it's a purposeful book um it's a book with a with a built-in purpose and the purpose is good the purpose is we should teach kids about autism but they are they haven't gone it's not a non-fiction book mm. it's been fictionalized it's been turned into a picture book it's not cataloged in the non-fiction section even if it's based on a for true story i mean why didn't they do one with photographs they yeah. could have yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, but choices I, that they made somewhere along But I do line. like the illustrations, the kid's eyes. I, yeah. I yeah, do yeah. love the dog. And I'm still really impressed that they finished that puzzle. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I gave it a 6.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if there are other autism books that are out now that might be able to yes. fulfill what I'm asking. And I think there are. Um, I've certainly seen some. I mean, just as one example, last year there was a picture book called A Friend for Henry um, by Jen Bailey, which was sort of a look at a kid who clearly is on the autism spectrum and would like to make a friend in school but doesn't have the social skills that a lot of the other kids do. And really, Is prefers- he white, though? No, he was Asian American. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that, it was it was a very good book. And in fact, he does make friends with a, with a girl who's uh, African American, I believe. Um, and so, yes, but I again, it's true. African American kids on the autism spectrum, even after this book, I can't think of any off the top of my head. This is kind of wow, one of the few. So we need more. Yep, we need more. And I should say my rating, uh, which I did not say. I'm um, I'm lower than you are. I'm more five point five. Um. I think, you know, I have a hard time with purposeful books. I I see they have a purpose in the world. It is hard for any book to be the first of anything because that is then the standard bearer and everything else sort of has to rely on only it. So I agree with you. And and learn from its mistakes. Right, precisely. I mean, Heather Has Two Mommies, I think it's fair to say we've had better books than it when it came out, but when it came out, it was the only one of its kind and it was the only game in, in town. Right. It's a classic. It's a classic. Yay. Yay. All right. Letters time. Ooh. This is not a letter. 
Oh. Uh, but I wanted to slip it in here. I've got, I've got a thing. I've got a thing for you. All right. So it's really nice when one of your podcast's biggest fans goes viral. What? Stephanie uh, Lucianovic has been a fan of ours from the, early on. We've called her the third sister. We've called her the third sister. That's how much of a fan she is. Uh, she's also the author of such books as The End of Something Wonderful and The Upcoming League of Picky Eaters and Hello Star. So today... I want us to read the text of something that she wrote that went viral in the last few days. Was this just on Upworthy? It might have made it to it. It really exploded. Um, now, I've printed out two scripts. Now, due to the fact that this was a Twitter... What are they called? A Twitter... Thread. Huh? Thread? Yeah, this was a Twitter thread um, that she wrote uh, that really, really took off. And I need to give you the cast list here. Um, so the character <laughs> list is Stephanie... There is her husband, Dr. M, and there is her second grader. All right. I have now taken this Twitter thread and turned it into a script that you and I will be reading. Okay. All right. Here we Can go. I play Kate? You may play Kate. Okay. Cool. I'm not very good at the Kate line, so uh, that is fine. Kate, by the way, is doing this cold. So this is a cold, this is a cold reading. <laughs> here we go. I will begin. The second grade teacher's screen froze. The kids all told her that happened. No one could hear her. And then she disappeared, and mass chaos has broken out. They're screaming and babbling, and someone is leaning really close and singing to the microphone, and someone else keeps saying, Who wants to see a diamond? 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 Someone is yelling that it's dinner time. It's not. And that they're getting pizza. I don't think they're getting pizza. Someone is still screaming about seeing a diamond, but they have added extra incentive. Mute yourselves if you want to see a diamond! I really want to see what second grader has a diamond, so I muted my second grader. I'm not being shown the diamond. Another kid has announced that everyone needs to look outside at the sky right now. I'm unmuting my second grader since there's clearly no diamond. Second grader followed the order to look outside right now, but in order to help his fellow students also follow the order, he turned his screen around to show them the outside right now and knocked over his entire pencil bucket. Unfortunately, I didn't see it happening as it was happening, and I screamed at the crash. Dr. M has run down the hall. A second grader parent, who also happens to be a teacher at the school, is trying to get control of the situation via her kid's screen. She can't because she's not the host, and the kid who somehow became the host when the teacher got booted off isn't giving up his hosting duties. He might be off eating pizza. I'm laughing so hard Dr. M thinks I'm crying. I might actually be crying. What are discreet emotions? The parent of the kid in the class who's also a teacher at the school is trying to tell everyone to leave the meeting and come back in 15 minutes. Meanwhile, her kid is dancing and leaping behind her as she tries to grab him by the shirt and also remain calm. Someone has hit the record button on this session. We got a very stringent email from the vice P today telling us not to record sessions. I tried to leave the meeting, but my second grader yelled that he has to be the one to leave the meeting himself because this is his meeting. He's getting the vacuum cleaner to clean up the pencil cup mess because the sharpener cracked open and there are shavings everywhere. Down the hall in their bedroom, my sixth grader is having P.E. and there are crashes and bangs and shakes and Dr. M doesn't know what to do except stand here and wonder if I've finally and totally lost it. He closed the front door because there are neighbors outside in the street. I told him why bother? since everyone already knows we're the Loud House. Some kid is now trying to convince the kid with hosting duties to undisable the chat. My second grader has finally left the meeting. There were never any diamonds. Now second grader has to go to a very loud and energetic music class and I have to go bury my head in some pillows before emailing the teacher, parent, and thanking her 
for her efforts. I will never forget the image of her kid behind her as she tried to deal with the Zoom chaos. I haven't laughed so hard in so long. Hashtag Zoom of the, the flies. And <laughs> scene. And oh I should say there is a there's a coda. I did not include it because for time. Uh, but there is a coda at the end that is worth reading. If uh, if you go to the, I'll try to link to the thread. Grown up things we like. So since we've been in quarantine, hmm. uh, finding things to do has been difficult. Yeah. My future in-laws were just in town and we tried taking them downtown to see the bean because they had never seen the bean in person. Oh, yeah. Um, the bean is completely roped off you. I saw that the other day. Yeah. The, you can't even play in the fountains because the fountains aren't happening. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting. Oh. However, um, we did decide to go to the drive-in theater. Where did you find a drive-in theater around um, here? Uh, it's just a little south of downtown Chicago. Really? It's Pilsen area-ish. Oh, okay. Huh. And we decided to go see the Blues Brothers. Oh, that's a perfect movie to see. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my my very fun grown-up thing. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Uh, mine is actually a web cartoonist. Uh, her name is uh, Huda Fami. She is uh, the creator of the webcomic, Yes, I'm Hot in This. She's Muslim. And uh, this is, of course, a reference to her hijab. And she's hilarious. She's such a nerd. And that's cool. And so I followed her on Twitter and then she followed me back Ooh. and then I fan girled her and I was like, Oh my God, I think you're so amazing. I love your comic so much. And she said, Oh, well, you know, you're a librarian and I, I, you know, we have some mutual friends and librarians are awesome. And I was like, yay. And then she said, I have a middle grade comic coming out with dial in 2021 to which of course I responded. I want to show the cover on my blog first and do a cover reveal. And she was very nice about the crazy stranger lady who was suddenly asking things of her and uh, said that after the announcement that maybe I could do that. So I like her very much. So please, I will put a link, um, but you should check out Yes, I'm Hot in This. She also has two books. Um, The first one is is a collection of comics. The second one is about her arranged marriage to her very fun and very nerdy husband. And uh, it's fantastic. Okay. Yay. Well, I'd like to close this episode, if I may, with a quote that I found online that is appropriate to children's books. All right. You remember, all right. Please, please. You remember Goodnight Moon? I the, do remember Goodnight Moon. With the Moon. ghost grandmother, you know, mm-hmm. oh, coming yeah, up so on Halloween. Ghost. Yes, your ghost. Well, and because we were just also talking about Zoom, you know, Zoom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodnight Moon. Goodnight Zoom. Goodnight Sense of Impending Doom. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> Thank you. And on that cheery little note, <laughs> I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Goodbye. Fuse and Kate is a Fuse number eight production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at fuse8kate. That's fuse number eight Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our Dr. M is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.